Welcome to Corporate Cornucopia, the podcast that's overflowing with business insights, entrepreneurial tips, and stories from the front lines of today's economic landscape. From the studios of the Kyrville Chamber of Commerce, I'm Mark Heiberger, your host. And I'm Noel Fenderson, your co-host. Richard Cooper, a lifelong Memphian with more than 25 years of building industry experience, has taken over as the owner of Maximus Building Supply after Mark Evans retired in 2021. Richard is full of energy and passion. Early in his career, Richard worked in the automotive industry where he became the youngest manager in the nation for Firestone. In 1997, looking for a change, Richard got into the building business. He understands the construction process and the importance of timely and accurate supply delivery. He is a visionary in the market and has created an excellent system to benefit the customers and the employees. He believes when you provide excellent service, the sales will follow. Richard, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for allowing me, Mark, Noel, Catherine. I appreciate the invite. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you. Before we get going, we we also I just wanted to, on behalf of the chamber, thank you for being a member of the Kyrville Chamber of Commerce. We we appreciate your your membership and and your role in the community as a as a viable, thriving business. Well, good. Thank you. I, I found out that we've been a member since 1989. Uh, so that's 34 years worth. So that's a lot. Yeah. Prior to me, obviously, I was still probably a kid, but uh, <laughs> it's exciting knowing we've been a member that long. Well, thank so you. We appreciate it. And I'm not going to be near as entertaining as Mrs. Uh, Mary Jean Smith and her knowledge of Kyle, but I'll do my best. <laughs> we we appreciate it. Um, we just to start back a little ways uh, to to help people to get to know a little about you. you you're a Memphian. You're from Memphis. And Correct. Grew up in Memphis. Yep. And- I was not born here because my grandfather was dying of cancer in Alabama. So right after the funeral, my mom delivered me in Alabama. But my parents lived in Memphis, and I've been here my entire life. So graduated from uh, ECS High School in 88 and attended Memphis State yeah. for a little bit. Got married real young. I was married at 19. Um, still married. Wonderful wife. Her name's Amy. Uh, we have two boys, Austin and Hunter. So we've been very blessed to have a— Good marriage and good family. Mm. That's awesome. great. Yep. And then, so so, just tell us about, uh, you know, how how did it all begin for you? How in the world did you end up here uh, with Maximus? All right. So I guess in 1995, I wanted to go into sales. Um, I was in the automotive industry, and mm-hmm. I wanted to go into the building sales. I'd already bought a couple of houses, kind of tore them apart, put them back together, and I was always good with, you know, creating and, building so i interviewed with almost every lumber yard and one indoor company in town and nobody would hire me and i met a fellow by the name of mr dudley schaefer at schaefer session door in 95 he says son if you go out and sell anything for two years i'll hire you i said okay so i went so chemical and paper products for two years and went back to him to the date and said two years ago you told me if i was to go to sell products any kind of product you'd hire me he says did I really? I said, yes, sure you did. <laughs> he said, okay, go sell lumber. And I started selling lumber. Wow. So for six months, I did just lumber. And where was this again? That was Schaefer, Sash, and Door. They okay. were in Cordova. 
So they owned Schaefer Sashen Door and Big River Lumber. So okay. I sold lumber only because I was so new at it. They just wanted me to sell lumber initially. And then after six months, they said, go sell windows and doors and trim. So that's kind of where I started in 97. Mm. So I've enjoyed it. It's been good to me. This is my 25th year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and what's the, What was the transition from that to um, thrifty building supply? So that- I left – uh, in 2004, early 2004, and went to Central Woodwork, which is another Kiowa company, uh, and they had Windows and Door Company. Was so, Mr. Schaefer mad at you for leaving? Mr. Schaefer was a fantastic man. I love Mr. Dudley. And I, the boys were great. They were great to me. Um, but I could just see potential growth. And so I went over and talked to, you know, Pat Schaefer, the owner of Central Woodwork at the time. And I went and talked to Mark Evans, the owner of Thrifty Building Supply. And suggested that I would consider selling for them if they would allow me to work for both companies at the same time. So they did. And that was 2004. So I was selling for lumber through one company and windows and doors through another company. And it worked out great. My customers are very loyal. Uh, They love that one-stop shop. It's convenient for them to buy all that package from one guy because I can be in one subdivision and I can handle a, a framing package problem or a window problem or a door problem or a trim problem. So they... They uh, they enjoy that uh, mm-hmm. connection and relationship, doing a one stop. So, were your customers then primarily home builders? It is okay. It always has been. Yeah. I've done a lot of commercial and multifamily, but probably ninety percent of my business has always been typically your custom home uh, market. Uh, the guys that do one house a year to ten or twelve houses a year. Yeah. that's all I've ever catered to. I don't do any really big track home guys. Um, we do some multifamily stuff, which is great. Uh, but majority of the custom home builders are our clients. That's okay. kind of what we cater to. Okay. And we'll get, we'll get so many questions about that industry, but uh, finish finish how we ended up at Thrifty and then the name changed to Maximus. Okay. So when I, when I was a salesman from 2004, mm-hmm. about 2013, I said, you know what? I've got to change my mindset. I want to become an owner. And so I started writing down all the pros and cons of either starting my own business or buying in and becoming a minority owner. So I finalized after after a lot of prayer and consideration that it would be ideal for me to buy into Thrifty Building Supply. So I took Mark Evans to dinner one night. He was totally unaware of the circumstance, and I presented wow. him an entire package, a, a business plan of me buying in, mm-hmm. opening up a wind and door shop, and then also expanding into Oxford. And he thought it was great. And he said his dad and him had never deci- had always decided to never partner with anybody. But because I'd been there for 11 years, he knew my ethics and my morals and my character and my drive. He thought it'd be a good plan. So we mm-hmm. did it. And so we executed it. And in 2015, I became a minority owner of Thrifty Building Supply. And the plan was for him to go five, six, seven years and then retire. So 2021, mm-hmm. we did the secession. I bought him out. And... Um, I guess because of the the start of Thrifty, it was always it started in '84 here in Kyle. By Mark. By Mark's mom okay. and dad. Mark's so mom. So Mark and dad. was not quite in the business then. He was out west doing some missionary work. So his mom and dad started it, and it was really more seconds. They would sell scrap lumber to your farmers. It was very rural back in that in the '80s. Yeah. It's not like it is today with all the new houses, and so. 
a lot of lean-to sheds, barns, scrap wood, shingles. And so that's how they started. And that's where the name Thrifty came from. Mm. But when Kyville evolved in the you know mid-90s, it started becoming nicer, newer, bigger homes. And that's who we sell to. So yeah. I just felt like the name, even though the heritage is great, the name doesn't represent who we are as a company. Because mm-hmm. uh, we're not thrifty in sake as far our customers aren't. And yeah. so... Uh, I did a lot of research in 21 uh, of different names I wanted to change it to, and I wanted a mascot, and I wanted maybe a lab or a beagle, and I thought, man, everybody has a lab. And back in 2010, I'd bought a Cane Corso, which is an Italian Mastiff, the real muscular, Mm, massive dogs. Yeah, they're beefed up. And the boys were home at the time, and so we had a Cane Corso, and his name was Maximus because we love Gladiator. (laughs) <laughs> what, what guys do not like Gladiator? And, of course, his name, Russell Crowe, was Maximus Aurelius. Yeah. So we named the dog Maximus. He passed five or six years later. And then as I'm going through the name change, uh, my marketing lady is Susan Ewing. Susan yeah. Ewing Marketing. Yeah. She's a Kyle-based company. Mm-hmm. And she knew I wanted a mascot, so we're coming up with all these ideas. And I finally looked up, you know, what is the meaning of a cane corso? And the cane corso represents... Uh, strength, loves a job to do. It's hardworking, very loyal, very protective. And I thought, that's kind of who we are as a company. And then I thought, what does Maximus mean? And so I looked up the word Maximus, and in Latin it means greatest. And I thought, that's it. I feel like we have the greatest employees. We have the greatest company. We have the greatest customers. We have the greatest technology. And so I presented that to Susan, my marketing lady, and she fell in love with it. Mm, so we ran so with it. Cool. So it has a little backstory, yeah, but it all that. started with Gladiator <laughs> and a dog. So prior to announcing the the name, I went and bought a new Cane Corso. Of and course. one of my coworkers, her name is Peggy, I convinced her to keep Maximus the dog. And so we named the dog. We bought a new Cane Corso, named him Maximus before we even announced the company name. And so I went through the whole presentation to each location and every employee and went through the whole process, why I think we're the greatest, what does the greatest mean? Mm. And then I went through the whole process of Maximus and they fell in love with it. I mean, it flipped overnight. The employees loved it. The customers loved it. The rebranding worked out perfect. Uh, you probably see our dog and our house signs on a lot of the houses mm-hmm. around. So it worked out pretty well. <clears throat> I was very pleased with it. Susan did a great job with us though. We yeah. do a lot of shirts, a lot of hats, a lot of stickers, and so we're trying to get that whole name brand out there. So yeah, it's, it's also uh, when, when you did it, I thought it's also sort of a more, as you said, progressive. It's it's a it's it's for this season of where your business is, as opposed to thrifty. And I, I didn't know all that history you told me, but you know, I kind of knew that thrifty was it was great for the season of the eighties and the nineties and whenever it existed, you know, but the, the new name and the new image kind of, like you said, is, is more progressive and more for today's season of it where, is. where the business is. Yeah, it is. It's, it's exciting. The customers are proud of it. Yeah. Um, even the homeowners, a lot of times we would have homeowners building a big, nice custom house and they would tell the builder they didn't want thrifty on their house because it's a million dollar plus house. Mm. And they associated that was with less expensive wood. Mm. And so um, it's 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 gone real well. So we're we're excited about it. Wow, it's a good buzz right now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, sp- t- speaking of the business and lumber and and all of that, um, what what have the last 
three or four years been like uh, from, from <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's a great, you know, from coronavirus effect on everything to now we're in a, an economy that's a little bit, you know, unpredictable a little bit in terms of interest rates and all that. But, you know, we heard stories a few years ago that there was plenty of lumber around or plenty of trees around, but there weren't enough people to cut the lumber in the log mills or, or lumber mills. Don't know if that was exactly accurate or not, but can you kind of walk us through the last several years of, oh, of your business? It was a perfect storm. So yeah, when COVID kicked in, everybody got nervous and we were nervous for about a month. And Mark Evans at the time was pretty nervous about it. And I said, Mark, I am busy. We are busy. It's not slowing down. We're going to keep going. So I was pretty positive about it, not knowing how enormous it would get and how explosive it would get. Because I could just, I'm out in the street. I'm out, I don't have an office. I'm out in my truck most of the days. I'm still with the customers most of the days. And I knew they were going to keep going. And so I knew we would be busy, but not, not like we were. It just really exploded the residential business kept going i think people started working from their houses those that didn't buy a new house wanted to fix up their house so it was constant remodel jobs going mm -hmm. um new subdivisions coming out people leaving kind of the the city of memphis area moving out toward the Cairo, piperton fayette county areas and even north mississippi and they're working from their homes they wanted bigger space to have a home office uh, that had a lot to affect with it uh, the workforce did go down um, nationally. You were short drivers. You were short um, lumber. So lumber skyrocketed. If you recall, in 21, lumber went up 330% from we call ground zero April of 2020. So from April of 2020 through June, July of 2021, it had gone up 330% which is crazy. Yeah. Lumber packages that were costing an average of 30000 mm -hmm. were costing 110000 just for lumber. <laughs> but the builders kept going. They kept on and on yeah. and on and on. Mm -hmm. And I felt bad for them. Some of it was greed, not on our part, but the, the big mills, those that own all the forestry and all the mills, um, they probably wanted to see how far America would go and how far the builders would go. So they just kept raising prices. Sometimes they would shut down supply just so they could be short, so mm -hmm. the demand would continue, and that would therefore raise the price. Some of it underhanded, uh, but a lot of it is supply chain. It was just short of everything. You could not get plywoods. You could not get studs. You could not get beams. You couldn't get nails. Mm. Um, it was hard. And I knew those years would put a strain on some of the older salesman I had and even some of the older, you know, employees we had, because it was unlikely anything we've ever seen. Windows went from four weeks to 16 weeks to 20 weeks to get in. And it's hard to manage that. Um, it's stressful. I mean, to be honest with you, when the economy this past year, probably November, December, kind of slowing down, we all were like, thank goodness, because we haven't stopped. It's been two and a half full speed so to have two or three months of a slow, you know, right. slower pace was nice, to be honest with you. The builders needed it. My employees needed it. So having a slower December, January, February has been pretty nice, to be honest with you. And then concerning now, I mean, what are you seeing for 2023? Our pipeline honest? is full. I yeah. mean, we, we, we have certain KPIs we look at, mm -hmm. um, and those KPIs are very, very positive. 
yeah. right now. So we do a lot of estimating and a lot of plans and our plan counts have been enormous since wow. January, February, March. So it's about to explode again, I feel. So don't listen to the media. No, the they news. want to tell you how bad <laughs> everything is. But we have a lot of builders getting slabs, getting ready. It's been real rainy too, though. So between the rain and the excessive cold weather, it's been hard to get slabs in. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of form boards up and a lot of guys getting ready to start. So yeah. there's still a shortage of houses in this market. Yeah. And even the national market, the southeast zones are still real positive. Okay. What, you what hear area do you cover? Uh, we're, we go all the way to Atoka. Okay. Uh, we go to Horseshoe Lake. I have customers that have been loyal to me that buy up in Kentucky Lake. Okay. Uh, we go to Pickwick. We have a location in Oxford. So we go as far as Batesville, Grenada, Startville, yeah. uh, Tupelo. So we're getting more and more spread out. Uh, used to be just kind of Kyival, Memphis, North mm -hmm. Mississippi, but we're kind of within a hundred mile <clears throat> radius now. Has, has, over the past few years, has your employee workforce grown and changed in its 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 makeup? It has. So prior to COVID, we were probably at 65, 70 people. And then at the height of COVID, we got up to about 90. And I needed another 20, and we just couldn't find them. We were capped out at 92 for probably a year. I mean, we'd go from 89 to 92 to 85 to 92. Never could break the 100 count. And I finally came up with an idea. We need to hire an, an in-house recruiter. So we call her Director of Career Advancements. And she's a local uh, lady here, Vicki Bartels. And so we brought her over, knew nothing about the industry, but she sells many. And she's real smart. And I convinced her to come in as like a recruiter. And I said, you have to sell us as a company to these employees. We want them to want to come work for us. And so she bought in, and since that, we've reached 120 employees over the last few months. So we, we're almost capped wow. out. Wow. Um, so having her has been a very, very, very beneficial to us. And is that, a, is that a combination of a little bit of like salesmen, drivers? Is that a little bit of everything? It is. I mean, she has done a fantastic job. But when she tells our story, the core values, family-owned, uh, we're a faith-based company, um, there's a lot of things that I changed once I became the owner, uh, extended vacation policy where now we give up to five weeks to certain people who've been here so many years and four weeks and we give PTOs, uh, we do mandatory raises every February. So everybody in the entire company gets a raise in February. Um, we do lunches provided every month for every, every location we provide lunch to them. Um, so we have a great culture, and it's fun that the employees are a part of that. We, we've changed the facade of the buildings. We've upgraded bathrooms. We've changed the inside of buildings and added on. And so a lot of positive things are going on. So it, it's it's fun. It's it's fun to walk into a location, and people are happy, and yeah. they're fun, and they love the Maximus. Uh, and we do have a very youthful company. Uh, nationally, this is amazing. Nationally, the average age in the building industry is like 56. And over 50% of the entire industry is over 55. 6% of the industry is under the age of 35. 6% nationally. And our company right now, we're at 47% or under the age of 35. So we have a very, very youthful, high energy mm -hmm. workforce. Mm -hmm. And that helps, a, that helps a lot. I mean, having that high energy gets the older people motivated. Our sales team is great. We have 11 salesmen 
and seven of those guys are under the age of 34. And when you have a young sales force, they're out there. Number one, they're having babies like every month we have a new baby. <laughs> uh, so they have to work hard to provide. Yeah, they got to provide. So babies. it's like every month, which which of my salesmen's pregnant or about to get pregnant or delivering a yeah. baby. So yeah. we've had a lot of babies right now. So And that led to the commercial appeal, right? Tell us about the award for the Memphis Metro Area Top Workplaces Award. That was great. Uh when Susan Ewing, my marketing lady, presented that to me last probably March, she said, hey, listen, there's a survey coming out. I know you're a new owner, but let's go through and do this survey. And I don't participate as the owner. I don't even get to see the survey. Yeah. But she suggested that we do it. I was kind of hesitant at first. Being new, mm-hmm. I thought, man, I want to get my feet in the door. I want to do some things differently, but we'll go ahead and do it. So it was a survey sent to every employee. It was 75 responded out of like 102 yeah. at the time which is a pretty good response. And they had, you know, probably 30 minutes with the questions. And I was kind of shocked, but we were received an award. There were several thousand companies locally that, you know, participated in this uh, survey. And so, yeah, we were in the top 20, incredible. top place to work. So it was pretty exciting. That's incredible. Yeah. We wow. actually had that on our website because that, that's something to not brag about, but it's something to share, especially for potential uh, new employees yeah. to know yeah. that, that they're – Co-workers are happy there, so yeah. that makes me feel good. So yeah. we'll probably do it again this year to kind of see if we raise the bar in <laughs> yeah. any, you know, since then. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's fun. So. And you mentioned faith-based company, uh, even the the slogan motto, led by faith, integrity, and service. So how how are these three things incorporated into your business model? So initially started with the Evans. So they're they're great Christian people. Just mm-hmm. their heritage is is very very faith based, uh, very mission very mission minded. Uh, so Mark Evans, the previous owner, mm-hmm. has a sister, and she's been in the mission field uh, as long as I've known them for over twenty years. She's in, she's been in Russia since yeah. probably the late eighties, and so they've always been very faith based, very mission oriented. And I'm the same way. I, I grew up in a Christian home. I had great parents. I always went to church. Uh, I try to lead by example. The way I live on Sundays is how I want to live Monday through Saturdays. And so Mark knew that. And so when I did agree to buy Mark, buy in with Mark, he let me know up front, hey, listen, this is what we do. This is what I expect you to do. We're going to continue giving to our mission fields. And I said, great, man, I'm all on board. Let's do it. And so when I bought him out, he said, listen, you have to do the same things. You have to continue. I said, fine, no problem. But then we've added on to a lot more mission fields. So we've, we, we, we help the community, you know, locally, uh, nationally, and then even internationally we'll help out with certain mission fields. So that's very important to us. Uh, I think by the grace of God, that's what has allowed us to be so, you know, helpful in the communities and profitable and, a good business is because that we do believe that's important to us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, service to me, I have a motto that, you know, if you service the customers, the sales will follow. And people are like, what does that mean? Well, I'm not a salesman. I'm a service guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, people may think I'm a salesman, but I'm really out there doing nothing but providing a service to the customers. Uh, and I, and I instill that in all the young salesmen. You're not a salesman. You're more of a project manager. You need to be an extension of your customers. You need to be a teammate. Everything we do is team. It's all team, team, team. So service is, to me, the most important. Anybody can buy lumber anywhere in town, 
But the things we provide service-wise makes us, to me, the better company. Faster turnaround, more accurate lumber takeoffs, competitive pricing, on the jobs all the time. Uh, and then you, dependability goes with the same aspects of service. So. You kind of have they, you, you kind of have to have them learn how to sort of think like the customer, don't you? To, Correct. To, to be able to anticipate what they need next and Correct. stuff like that. Yeah. I, when I get these new salesmen in, I personally would train them. We make them work in the lumber yard for a few months, mm -hmm. the door shop for a few months, and then I usually take them for about six months myself. So I've been training salesmen since 2012. I'm tired of training sales guys. So, but it's been successful. They kind of do as I say and do as I do and it, it works. So I was going to ask you something. Um, <clears throat> sounds like when you were talking about your, your background early and, um, uh, ECS, and then you, you, you said went to Memphis state for a while. Um, sounds like I'm, that you, you, you didn't go to business school or anything. And that's, that's sounds, but you have an incredible vision for how to put a business together. I mean, you took this guy out to dinner, had a business plan, had a vision, had a proposal. You've created this foundation of this company that is now kind of getting momentum and really coming together. And so if, if my assumption was right, or even if it's wrong, correct me. But for those listening, I mean, this is a, it's a great testimony to if you didn't go to business school or, or something, you have anyone, if you have the drive and the initiative and the desire, you, you can build a business, right? Sure. I, I barely passed high school, to be honest with you. Um, I'm a seven-semester freshman. At University of Memphis, so that tells you I went to school for three and a half years, and still a freshman. So school is not for me. Um, and I didn't know that, but you just said I went to Memphis State for a while, and right. so all I thought, if 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 my assumption is anywhere near right, you're an incredible case study for someone who might be listening or meet you someday. That you you can do it if you have vision, drive, passion, desire. I want it. Hard work. Yeah, hard work. I'm work ethic has a lot to do with it. But but yeah. Just talk us through that. What would you tell a young person that's listening or someone who's listening to this that's that's frustrated where they are, or maybe they've got great ideas about something and they're a little hesitant? So to me, college is geared for those who really want to go to college, who really have to have a degree for certain aspects of their career if they're chosen that way. Uh, I was not forced to go to college, but I was. it was suggested coming from private school. It's college, college, college. My mom and dad, college, college, college. But I wasn't a good student. Um, so for me, it's, it's as good as opportunity for these young kids coming out of school to go into a uh, career-based um, mechanical school, um, heating and air school, electrical school. Go into some of those career paths that doesn't necessarily require a college degree. Learn a trade. Go to trade school. Um, find out what passion you have and then run with it. Uh, it. You need to excel in what you do. You should love what you do. And if you have a passion for it, you should be successful at it. Um, I didn't attend any Dale Carnegie schools of business <laughs> or I'm not a Harvard grad. Uh, so to me... I surround myself with good people, though. 
So I have got key people that manage the financial side of the business. Let me go sell. Let me go service. But as long as I have key people managing the business side, whether that's accounts payables, receivables, controller, CFO, um, as long as you surround yourself with good people, you can be successful at it. But you also have to have a good drive. You have to have a passion. Vision helps. <clears throat> I'm extremely OCD. Uh, I'm very ADHD. So I have a lot of you know, acronyms that can describe me. But I write everything down. So if I am at a job site and someone gives me something, I write it down. If I think of something, I write it down. So I constantly write everything down. And so I learn in life, if you have goals, if you don't write them down, you're not going to achieve them. So write that stuff down. Execute it. You have to execute it. You have to be driven enough to write it down, come up with a game plan, and then you've got to ex execute it and keep going full speed. I enjoy it. I mean, I work hard. I work a lot of hours. I still enjoy work. It's one of my better qualities is work. Uh, my wife has learned a long time ago, you know, it's hard to contain me. <laughs> it's hard for me to be home at certain hours of the day and not work all day and night. And uh, I just, I just have always enjoyed it. So. Yeah. That shows. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, tell us what's next. What's the future now, you know, under your leadership and ownership, what, what's, what's going to happen for the future for Max? So we announced in September with the name change, I also announced I had two business partners, uh, Michael Head, who was my current CFO. Uh, he bought in as minority owner and a guy named Steve Martin. Uh, who comes from the financial world. Uh, he kind of wanted to slow down for the big corporate America, and he came in as a partner as well. So he kind of helps our financial side. Michael Head, who was um, in the military, is more operational. She kind of handles the operational side. I'm still out in the field with the salesman growing the business. Um, so we're set to expand. Uh, we're looking at other cities, other counties, maybe other states. Can't tell you everything, but we're in the process of working and expanding. So that, that's, the, that's the plans is to grow it, get Maximus out to different areas. And whether it's Greenfield or Acquire, we're still working on that, but uh, we're planning on growing for sure. Yeah, We think we have a lot to offer. Our system works. Mm -hmm. um, Family-owned, we want to keep it kind of a family-owned atmosphere, right. uh, a positive attitude. And so I think uh, there's potential out there for us for sure. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, this has been a great interview, great podcast, and a, and a great story, really. Yeah. I sincerely mean that. It's mm -hmm. a great story of, of what you've told us about how you started and how you've built this and how you're continuing to build it and creating a culture within the organization of people wanting to win but also wanting to learn and grow. It's just a great story. Great to have your business in Collierville. <clears throat> proud to have you as a member of the chamber and uh we just wish you the continued best of luck with everything well thank you we're, we're honored to be a member i think we've been a member since 89 and so that's 34 years and it's, that's great we enjoy the partnership yep it's great thank, thank you so much appreciate it and that's a wrap thank you for tuning in to corporate cornucopia this episode was brought to you by our sponsor, My Town Roofing. Replacing your roof shouldn't be a hassle. It should be a smooth process done in a timely manner and most importantly, at a reasonable price. My Town Roofers has thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out at mytownroofing.com. 
If you've enjoyed today's podcast, head on over to www.collierbillchamber.com to access our notes, join the conversation, or leave a good review.